uh, we're gonna do a housewarming party for my friend, and then uh, costume and Ooh. dance karaoke. But then I always try to do the thirty-one new horror movies that I've never seen before. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm a little behind, but I'm trying to plow through a bunch of those to catch up. I'm actually gonna do all the rest of the Hellraiser movies, which I had never seen before. I've been seeing you log those on Letterboxd, yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, your reactions Ooh, are pretty much what I thought, yeah. Uh, four takes place in space over like say. three different uh, time eras. And oh Adam God. Scott is in it. Oh my God. Like his first role. Okay, they're making it sound Adam good, Scott. actually. Oh, me yeah, too. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it just for Adam Scott. What about you guys? Just the other day, I just happened to be like, uh, like out, and I was walking through like a, like a random like neighborhood here in LA, like a you know kind of a more upscale neighborhood because those are all over the place here, and just walking around like a neighborhood looking at Halloween decorations, that was put me in such a good place. Just seeing people, everyone else, like you know, I don't know. I just love it that like someone thought to put like there's there's some houses there that get real graphic with their decorations and it's incredible just like fake blood and like skeletons and people hanging and from trees and you know just all sorts of gruesome stuff you know like it's people take it seriously here scar a couple children exactly my oh, yes. dog hates yard decorations for some reason <laughs> for halloween if you have anything like in your actual yard he'll start he freaks out starts barking i'll like try to get at it i don't know why <laughs> Does he think it's, uh, like, how does he ra- react with other dogs? Does he think it's a dog or something? Maybe. He doesn't like other animals. He's a, a bulldog mix. One of his many oh. things. He's his major, his his big, he's part bulldog, part beagle, and then some other stuff in there, too. So he's, like, a guard dog, but also, like, a beagle on top of it. So he's just very excitable, but, like, also, he's a big dog in a little dog's body. So he thinks he's really tough. And he does, like, in the backyard, he goes out and he has to do his, like, his rounds. He does, like, his perimeter check before he goes to bed. He won't he won't go to sleep. He'll just sit there and whine if he can't go out and, like, check the perimeter of the yard. Yeah. And, yeah, he's, he's an excitable very, boy. He is. He's very protective. So I was going to say, it sounds like he's protecting you from those Halloween decorations. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. He loves people, though. If there's a person, he gets he's excited for the people. But if it's anything out of place, like he notices people put a bunch of shit in their yard. And I don't but like that. But it's like that, a plastic it's witch and a broomstick sticking exactly. out of someone's lawn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just has graves all over the place. And he, he like was growling and had to go check it out. And yeah. Maybe he doesn't like being re- you know reminded of mortality. He just finds it bad taste, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably that. Oh, don't we all? (laughs) Well, we need to jump in because I have a lot to say. (laughs) Go for it. Let's do it. All my pages to note. Welcome to the weekly podcast massacre. I am your host for this week, Michael Murphy, but everyone calls me Murphy. Uh, With me as always. I'm Greg from Los Angeles. Hello. I'm Kale. And welcome. This is the wrap up for our October month. Theme of grab bag, trick or treat. We've given you three different treats of our favorite scariest horror movies. Now I'm tricking you with my favorite movie of all time, Ghostbusters 1984. All time. time. Since I was five (laughs) and could like have a favorite movie, Mm -hmm. this has been my favorite movie. Uh, Directed by uh, Ivan Reitman. 
originally written a story by like Dan Aykroyd, but Harold Ramis came in and kind of made a lot of it what it is today. Probably saved it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan Aykroyd definitely was like out there and Harold Ramis basically made it more realistic. Yeah, we have to talk about and, his original ideas a little bit because those are yeah, <laughs> those yeah, are fascinating. It's, it's pretty out there, and they incorporated a lot of that into the video game, which was for a long time the like the most official Ghostbusters three that we were getting. But yeah, uh, so what is your guys' experience with Ghostbusters? Dude, Ghostbusters were huge when we were kids. Like, there was a McDonald's stuff. I don't know if maybe it was the sequels or something that came out when we were younger, because 84 is before both of our times, but... Um, yeah, my 89 was, was really the sequel. Into it. I remember um, I really liked Slimer and the Ecto Coolers. That was Ghostbusters, yep. right? Ecto Coolers. Yep. I loved the Ecto Coolers. Um, I'm pretty sure I dressed as a Ghostbuster for Halloween one year. Yeah, I, my dad in particular awesome. was really into it, but yeah. Greg? I think weirdly for me, my because uh, I'm a little younger than you guys, but I have uh, older cousins who are like that right age for Ghostbusters too, and like um, my grandmother like had a bunch of Ghostbusters toys at her house that like my, my cousins like used to you know play with and they were there, and then when I started coming around, they still had the same toys there, so like I would play with old Ghostbusters toys. So honestly, that's probably like where it comes from, but uh, where you know where I first encountered them, and then I saw the movie just on TV one day, and you know probably I you know with my whole family and loved it like you know it's and it's kind of just been on a constant rotation since then like every few years I pop it in again you know my brother's like hey let's watch Ghostbusters it's just like a yeah it's just kind of a you know a given now like it's it's just part of everyone's life it feels like I yeah I don't think it ever really gets old and I this is definitely the movie I've seen the most in my life mm -hmm. and even on this rewatch like I'm brimming with like every <laughs> single joke like it always hits for me i and i again i don't remember the first time just since i was so young but i i had to watch the cartoon yeah i think that was oh, really yeah. the thing when i was just really really young the real ghostbusters and just became obsessed with that cartoon it yeah. was that and Ninja Turtles. I think so both oh, of them had yeah, no see, Ninja Turtles, movies. Right. Ninja Turtles was that was the big thing for me as a kid. That's the one I I that's the movie I've seen the most in my life probably. But that is my Ghostbusters from what you're describing is that 1990s yeah. Ninja Turtles movie. It's just oh, been yeah. I just always I had all of those toys from the real Ghostbusters. I had yeah. the Firehouse playset. Uh when even when I was really little, I had the 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 jumpsuit. And there's a picture, I can't, my mom can't find it, of me in the jumpsuit with the, like, the little plastic the proton, proton pack. pack. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And now, I, is this I remember the same just... one that you're wearing now? Because you are wearing No, it's not. <laughs> this, is, this is one I had to buy myself. It's like an actual Navy or Air Force flight suit, like, official flight suit that then oh. you have to modify and, like... That's fantastic. ...put it on and everything, so... Okay. I wanted to surprise you guys with... My wardrobe choice. Very special. Uh, and we, <laughs> it did surprise us. It didn't have the. I think you. We didn't have the same. The exact reaction you're looking for. All the technical issues right up top. But yeah. <laughs> but it is really it's cool. Work. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I know. I. There were pictures of me having a Ghostbusters birthday party at like four or something. Oh man. You know? It's just. It's always been kind of a part of my life. All of my friends know it's, like, my favorite movie. They know never to mention it, like, in front of me, or I will just go off for a half hour about all these different things. 
So I do appreciate both of you for yeah. allowing me. I mean, I'm that I, I've already got to do this with two of my. I mean, Evil Dead and Tenacious D are the same way for me. Like, and people know right. that about me. That's I have the reputation. Like, yeah. So I totally know what you mean. So yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep it as succinct, but I do have five pages of notes. So well, let's, let's just get dive to it. Right <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we open. At the New York Public Library, there's a little old lady librarian going about doing her job. She goes down into the basement. She's doing her work. All of a sudden, reference cards start flying everywhere. And she gets freaked out, runs away. And then we see her scream at something that lights up purple. And then we get the opening titles, Ghostbusters. And then we are at Columbia University, which they don't really say is Columbia, but it is. Right, right. And at first we meet Dr. Peter Venkman, played by Bill Murray, who is doing a uh, a test about the negative uh, reinforcement effects on ESP abilities. Oh, I mean, okay, that's what he claims he's doing, but I think he's just having fun and then making up something, right? He's trying like, to well, fuck. Yeah, he's trying well, to fuck. He is. Yeah. So, so there's two parts of it. it and the the guy, there's a guy and a girl, and the guy who was in Christine. Yeah, and uh, he Friday was one of the boys. Part two. Yeah. And then just this beautiful blonde. And what happens is, uh, Venkman is saying whatever answer she gives is right, and not showing the card. And then the guy, every answer is wrong, and he keeps buzzing him. Now, Greg, or you say this right. isn't. But by the end, like in the end of this test, it is actually working. Like the kid <laughs> is becoming psychic because he does, he is able to see that it's a couple of wavy lines. And Bill Murray's still like, this is just not your lucky day. Yeah. He doesn't want I to just... do it, but he only has 75 more to go. Oh, man. I, this this whole movie uh so i mean i said i i watched it every year for a bit but it had that's i had taken a little bit of a break not confronting your park because they were you know just kind of fell out of watching it regularly but i forgot just like how perfect of a setup this is for his character of just yeah. like the lack of interest in whatever is going on and he's only he only wants to fuck like the whole movie <laughs> like that's his entire motivation <laughs> a lot of this movie is ad-libbed as well there's like a loose script oh a yeah lot of the dialogue and stuff is is made up a lot of murray's in particular yeah, yeah. I, from pretty much what he was known for and he like he does such a great job on a lot of these these points i know my favorite line of that that first scene is when um he it's like you know he's talking about uh he's he tells him what he's doing right what he claims what he's doing is like you know testing the response and the guy's like well i'm getting pretty pissed off then he goes well then my theory's correct and like i just i love that line it's so good yeah. it's so maybe smarmy. my theory is good you can keep the five bucks pal i will <laughs> so he storms off and then venkman's trying to get with the girl all of a sudden dan Aykroyd, uh i'm assuming dr ray stance uh pops in and is saying hey they got something at the library uh venkman's very pissed off at him because he was just about to get laid and uh, he's like, no, we need you to come. Egon's down there. Let's roll. He makes a date with the, the girl later that night. Uh, and so then they go to the library where, where we meet uh, Dr. Egon Spangler, played by Harold Ramis. And uh, I love that Bill Murray or Venkman says to him, this reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. And Egon's <laughs> response is, that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. That was ad lib. That was a Harold Ramis ad lib. Who did not? Who wasn't? Uh, 
he didn't intend to be in the movie, but after he wrote it, he thought he was the best person for the role. I mean, he's so right. I mean, he's my favorite performance. I mean, I honestly agree. He's always been my favorite. Like, I okay. love Egon so much. Yeah, we talked about in in the um, Hellraiser two episode how you always associate Kill with the ch- with the Chatterer because of her Discord. I mean, right. you should say it. I mean, yours is Egon, right? And it's just like uh, that's exactly who I always. I mean, you're yeah, you embody Egon, man. You're, you're pulling it off. It's the um, it's the image of when he is. Uh, later in the 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 ballroom with the proton yeah. pack, and he just like keeps shooting, and mm-hmm. his face is all crazy. Yeah. So uh, they interview the librarian, and there's another great exchange about Venkman asks, like, "Are you Alice menstruating right now?" Which is something you don't understand at five years old. But then he says, or the library manager's like, "What's that got to do with anything?" Back well, he clearly didn't the understand scientist. the question either, because the woman's like 90 years old. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is kind of an odd question. So unless it's some sort of like scientific anomaly that uh, this woman just didn't go through menopause, which I'm so sorry for her. But it's just one thing, case. like it, when you're a scientist, you want to look at all the most reasonable explanations yeah. and that like maybe that would cause hallucinations. Little sexist, but... Okay. Uh, that's bank um, for you. I think ghosts, there's something with ghosts and uh, like people when they're menstruating. And I forget which, which it was, but there was some like actual. You're thinking bears. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, bears Ghost too. and bears. No, there's this whole, there's a, I forget. I can, I can look it up and figure out. I can try to find it, which one it was, but it was some like, you know, actual haunting, but I put actual in parentheses. Um, but one of those things where like real human people study hauntings and there's like this teenage girl who kept being haunted like around the time that she was, she like started of her the period monthlies. and then every time her period would come, these ghosts would come and that type of thing. Interesting. Well, maybe that's where they took it from. Uh, so they go into the basement. There's a big stack of books and obviously no human could stack books like this. Uh, and then there's another great line where there's something in the background and Ray goes, listen, do you smell something? They go, they actually see the ghost and it's this uh, kind of legless uh, purple-ish woman reading a book. They don't really know what to do. Um, so they're like, well, someone should make contact. So they send out Venkman. Kai's tried to make a little small talk, like, where are you from originally? She shushes him. So he's like, well... The, the the regular stuff isn't working. What are we going to do? Egon grabs his calculator and he smacks it out of his hand. Um, and then Ray's like, I've got a plan. Okay, just stay behind me. Let's go. And they start creeping towards the ghost. And he's like, all right, get ready. Get ready. Get her. And then that's when the ghost actually changes, kind of transforms into this scary thing. And they freak out and run out of the the library. Was this a moment? I mean, this is like a pretty, I hear this quoted all the time. It's like a moment that actually scared people as kids. Did this like get you guys when you were younger? No, I don't remember specifically. But I think this was, if I remember correctly, it was, the design was going to be used in Poltergeist or Fright Night or something like that. I know he did. So it's like, is it? It's a like a prop kind of from a different movie. I think it was Poltergeist, and they were like, it's a little too scary. (laughs) Um, so they ended up 
switching it to to this movie. Like, I guess I think it's Stan Winston that did most of the effects. Yeah. Wait, it, the um, prop was too scary for Poltergeist. Yeah. That's insane, but it's fine for Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. Maybe because it's a comedy movie. Maybe. Yeah. No, if it's just like just a the, scary like, how they movie were with using scary it. props, yeah. How quick it was going to be, yeah. Yeah. And I guess maybe, too, like, Poltergeist kind of has more, like, realistic looking, I mean, literally real skeletons in that movie. So perhaps it was too, like, you know, just just cartoony enough, I guess, that maybe it didn't think it was a right fit for Poltergeist, but a better fit for Ghostbusters. But I think it's a cool prop. I really like the way it looks, the way it, like, kind of waggles its little fingers and the hair is blowing back. Like, it's really, yeah. It's fun. But yeah, it's no large marge. It's never actually scared me. But I've heard people tell me yeah. that it does it does. It kinda has yeah, that sudden transformation very yeah. creepy. I don't think this movie scared me at all. Yeah, me neither. But it's fun. Oh, you know, no, I was kinda scared by a part later on. We'll we'll get to it. <laughs> so with these readings, Egon figures out that they can actually capture uh the ghosts and contain them. And Bill uh Venkman says you know, I'm going to take back some of the things I've said about you. And he offers him a candy bar and says, you, you've earned it. Uh, they go back to their uh, digs at the college, and apparently they're getting kicked out. Uh, yeah, so their funding gets revoked, and then they have to leave the college. I like imagining like them pitching the college on, like, we're going to do ghost research, you know? Like, I can just imagine that scene of them trying to convince somebody to give them a grant to do this in the first place, you know? Um, and I think that's like, just a good set. These characters are so well like defined, not like deep, but you can just you can really get and tell their personalities and like kind of figure out how they're good, they would react in certain situations. Just they have really strong characters, I'd say. Totally agree. So then, they're, uh Venkman and Ray are outside the college. They're drinking. They're kind of commiserating, and they decide like we're gonna go into business for ourselves. It's going to take a lot of money, but they just, they don't know where they're going to get it. Cut to them coming out of a bank where Ray has now put a third mortgage out on his home. And I love the scene that it's like uh, the angel and demon on their shoulders. Like Bill Murray's behind him saying, you know, it's fine. Everyone has a third mortgage nowadays. And then Egon is saying, for your information, the interest rate alone for the first five years is $95,000 which today is like $250,000. Jesus Christ. Uh, So at that point, they're having to decide where they're going to set up this business. They go and they're touring a firehouse that's like really run down, and the real estate agent is there. And um, Venkman asks Egon like what he thinks about it. He's like, well, you know, the power is just not for our needs. All this is really bad. It's like living in a demilitarized zone. (laughs) And then Ray pops up. He's like, does this pole still work? Slides down and is like a kid in a candy store. Just so happy about it. It's like, we should, we should stay here tonight, you know, try it out and everything. And the real estate agent is just beaming. She knows she made a sale. Egon's shaking his head no. And then Bill Murray's like, looks like we'll take it. Do you know why um, it's set in a firehouse? No. I'll tell you. So, um... Apparently in the original script that um, Dan Aykroyd wrote, or the rough draft, I guess, the story was supposed to take place in the future where teams of Ghostbusters were sort of like paramedics and firefighters all over the place. So that's why it's set in 
the headquarters is set in a okay. firehouse because it's supposed to be kind of like that. Yeah. Um, but it apparently would cost too much money to, to set it in the future. So they brought in Harold Ramis and they rewrote it at that point. But they kept the firehouse idea. I, that's really, yeah. that's good. I like they kept it around because it's like, it's like an iconic thing that Ghostbusters firehouse. But I would, I would fucking love to see that original version because I like that. That, that. That's a good premise for a movie too. I like that. That just like, Ghostbusters and are a like, common thing in the future. There was supposed to be like a lot of dimension jumping and yeah. that kind of stuff, and then they work that into the video game. Yeah, and obviously we haven't seen. There's another sequel coming out pretty soon. Yeah, and after I don't know what it does, but I'm I'm surprised they've never just done that as a sequel. Just like jump ahead into the future and have like you know. You could set it in the same world, even just I, I don't know. Well, I can we can talk more about other Ghostbuster movies, I guess later. Uh, maybe there not. Are maybe just this countless dimensions. Just this one, okay. The countless dimensions. Yeah, it could do kind of like a Rick and Morty thing where they're all over yeah, the sure. place. Yeah. Uh, so this is where we meet Dana Barrett, played by Sigourney Weaver, and then Lewis Tully, who is Rick Moranis, and um, she's a beautiful independent musician in the new york symphony orchestra he's kind of a dweeb accountant and he invites her to a party he's my favorite character i fucking love rick moranis like he is my my best performance i was gonna say harold ramus earlier but i can't i can't not give it to rick you know he is great it was originally gonna be john candy and then i think yeah. he turned down the role and then I mean, that would have been great too to, yeah yeah i would have loved john candy in this too. Yeah, it would have been I think, different but i yeah mm-hmm. i think it would have been Still really funny. There were a lot of different people who were supposed to be different things. Like John Belushi was supposed to be Peter Venkman, and then they ended up basing the Slimer ghost Slimer. kind of loosely yeah. on on him. And um, Michael Keaton turned down the role of both Venkman and Spangler. Christopher Walken, wow. John Lithgow, wow. Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered for Spangler. Gozer was supposed to be played by Paul Rubens. Tom Hanks and yep. Robin Williams were considered for Venkman as well. And Steve Gutenberg turned down the role of Venkman so he could do Police Academy. So there's a lot. I think literally of any of those there. would are, those are all, honestly, like the only one I don't like is Gutenberg. But other than that, like most of those are pretty solid choices for these characters. You got a problem with Steve Gutenberg? He's just never been like my favorite. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I've just got, I've got no, I've got no opinion on Gutenberg, honestly. I feel like all of those, yeah, would have been good choices, but it they ultimately I think went to the best. Oh yeah, roles. Yeah, that's the other. That's ultimately. the that's the weird thing is that like they they were looking at really good talented people who would have been good fits, and then for Ramis to recognize like no, I can do this, and then nail it is really cool. Yeah, uh, which leads me into like one of his best parts in the whole movie is in the Dana goes into her apartment and the Ghostbusters commercial is playing, and if you ever want to like find how good of an actor is ask them to play a bad actor oh yeah and it is so fantastic it is so subtle when they're doing the commercial they're each stepping forward and saying something and egon is looking down at the mark to like step perfectly on it he says it in such a wooden way and then he keeps looking back down as he steps back to the back mark it's fantastic they actually used that commercial part as part of their real advertising. That do you remember? I I mean, this is uh, obviously no, it was before, before my times, time. 
yeah, yeah. they had it on and then they they had um instead of the 555 number that was in the the advert that was in the movie they used a real 800 number and you could call in and there were pre-recorded messages from Murray and Aykroyd um but it got a fuck ton of phone calls apparently I love it I love yeah. it uh so Dana's bringing in her groceries she sets things down she's turning around all of a sudden the egg carton she has pops open eggs start flying out and cooking on the counter she hears a growl from the refrigerator she opens it up and we see an interdimensional pyramid with uh one of the terror dogs saying zool she okay, screams so these, closes it yeah these dogs actually did scare the shit out of me when i was a kid when i first saw this i remember being absolutely terrified of those things uh at that point we go back there in the firehouse they're getting it fixed up Ray buys the car, and it's so great that it has, like, so many things wrong with it, and it was still really expensive. At that point, we meet Janine, played by Annie Potts, who has the hots for Egon, and as she's trying to flirt with him, it's like, I bet you read a lot yourself. And he says, print is dead, which, <laughs> very prophetic. I, I just, I love his reaction anytime she, like, comes on to him. He's just so stone-faced about it. I, it's, it's so So funny. uncomfortable. Uh, so Dana Barrett comes in and she they hook her up to machines and on the background it's like her actual head and they're thinking well you know she she believes that she's telling the truth and they go okay we'll we'll try a couple different things look in some books Venkman's like I'm gonna take her back out and check her out I'll check out Miss Dana's apartment okay they go in he's doing his kind of uh, charming self trying to like play the piano keys they hate this and that's when she calls him out you're not like you know a a normal scientist you're more like a game show host which is like the perfect way to describe him yeah yeah uh he goes he checks out the fridge there's nothing in there he kind of makes fun of her for eating junk food and then he's he's trying to put in some like major moves and she's not having it at all he goes okay i'm going to go for broke I am madly in love with you. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a, <laughs> the line he writes between like complete total like asshole and like charming like scamp. I just don't, I, nobody else can fucking like it's get like that you've close known to being. this woman for yeah. an hour maybe. Uh, so at that point he's like, I'm going to prove myself to you. I'm going to figure out your problem and then you're going to fall for me. And she pushes him out. Uh, it is that point where he's talking about he should take out some petty cash. You know, I got to take her to dinner. I don't want to lose this client. Ray says, well, this magnificent feast is the last of the petty cash. So chew slowly. Yeah, just some Chinese takeout. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, they get a call and they're on their first one. And they go to the Sedgwick Hotel. And they're in the elevator. They're like, well, we've never had a successful test. Egon says he blames himself, and then Venkman goes, so do I. <laughs> Fucking love it. Dave's like, all right, let's turn it on. And the sound, like, scares Egon and, and Ray, or Venkman to the point where they're, like, moving away in the elevator from the pack. Uh, they come out. They're looking around. They accidentally shoot the maid. And her reaction is real because the explosion that they were going to use, they didn't expect it to be so big. So when it happened, she was actually like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) 
Apparently, <laughs> those uh, the proton packs, the gun part, were supposed to be like little magic wands, kind of. They, they would like flick their wrists and point the wands at the ghosts. <laughs> um, but then they okay. changed to like lasery guns later. But imagine wands instead of the guns. Yeah. They do refer to them as wands, so that's that's interesting oh. to know. Maybe they just replaced it, but didn't change the. The They're also supposed to be super. Mm. We were talking about this before we started recording, but the proton packs are supposed to be super heavy too. And I guess uh, they had different ones for different scenes. So some of them for some scenes were heavier than for other scenes. And the director said that um, none of the actors enjoyed wearing it. Harold Ramis complained the least. He wouldn't say who complained the most, but he strongly implied that it was Bill Murray. Well, I think we all know it was Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt there. Do you have a proton pack, Murph? You got the jumpsuit. Do you have the, no, the pack as well? No, I I did make the goggles that Ray has, but like mm-hmm. it's a it's a big to do, and I just I need to do it. Spend the money. I'm not very technical. I don't know how to build shit, but just one figure day. out how to solder, and then you can one yeah. day. Soldering's not that hard. So at that point, they decide to split up. Good, we can do more damage that way. That's one hundred percent an improv line. I uh, it's so good. Love it. So good. Ray finds Slimer eating off one of the food carts that had been left in the hall. Uh, shoots at him. Slimer falls away. Uh, he goes and slimes Venkman, and then heads off into the ballroom. What? So and then that's this where is we... based off of sorry, Slimer's based off of John Belushi. Had he died at this point? I don't remember the exact yes. year. He yeah <laughs> yeah so. yeah he did. It, while while da- Dan Eckerd was writing the character, Venkman was supposed oh, to be for okay. John Belushi, Ooh. but then they kind of joked yeah. about the about Slimer being the ghost of John Belushi while they were shooting it. That's why he's so gluttonous. The, yes, because the eating was based on Belushi's character eating in Animal House. That makes yeah. sense, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're in the ballroom. They fire at him. They end up like destroying the chandelier. It falls down. They keep shooting. They completely wreck the place. And, you know, Slimer is then kind of in a daze. They're like, okay, we need to clear some room. Bankman's like, hold on, hold on. I've always wanted to do this. And he goes and grabs the the tablecloth and tries to rip it out so everything is still there. Nothing stays, but the flowers are still standing. Uh, and that's when we, like, I think right before that, we start getting, we get the actual kind of uh, Chekhov's gun of the, the movie where you can't cross the streams. Yeah, Chekhov's proton pack rules. Yeah. yeah. It, it it could cause a total protonic reversal to where you basically just like stop existing immediately. So they, they clear out of the space, they throw down the trap, uh, they say, Don't look at the trap, and then he goes like, I looked at the trap, Ray. They capture him and it's it's a successful capture. So then they leave the ballroom and are now haggling with the manager of the hotel. And it is one of my favorite just like physical bits of comedy when uh, Bill Murray's talking to him and Harold Ramis uh, is making like finger <laughs> yeah. gestures to talk about how much to pay. It's like so 4000 for like the uh, entrapment, but we're having like a special on containment of the beast and that's only $1,000. I didn't even. I never even noticed like the, the finger signals for the longest time. It took like several watches to, to actually catch that. There are a lot of things I didn't get until like much later in life. I'll I get to one of the biggest ones at the end. But yeah, that's one it, it took a while um, to pick up on. 
And then this is where we have the act break, which I do want to talk just a little bit about Ghostbusters 2 and how it is practically a carbon copy of the first movie down to each act is broken up with a musical montage at roughly like the same amount of time. Yeah. And each of the montages are the same thing in each movie. That is insane. So, yeah, so this one, it's like, okay, they've, they've captured their first ghost, and they become, like, a phenomenon. They do a bunch of shots of them, like, capturing ghost, or there's one good one where they're kind of running away, and it kind of looks like uh, 30 Rock Plaza. Oh, and yeah. they're actually running from security guards that are trying to kick them out. But they got the shot. Uh, so we have a, we also have a bunch of cameos, um, Larry King, Casey Kasem, and I feel like some of these other people are cameos, but we, I just I have no idea who they are. They, they've aged out of being recognizable to us, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we also then have the uh, Ray's dream of getting a ghost blowjob. Yeah, I don't know. Do we? I mean, that's obviously a is... Dan Aykroyd fantasy right there that he just threw in there. Yes, yes. Is yeah? Have Dude you guys ever ghosts. heard of where this scene comes from? How how this ended up in the movie? It's so bizarre. Tell us. I know. I have no idea. No, I don't know that. I, I oh, I, I thought could. you were going to be like. No, I was not teeing up. You're working out. Thought you had yeah. some weird. No, I'm genuinely asking. Just... Like, yeah. I think Dan Aykroyd just just wants to fuck a ghost probably he is big into like ufoology and like uh crystal head the paranormal Mm -hmm. exactly reginald vell johnson is in this too yeah i was i I got that on later um (laughs) so this is where we meet winston uh winston zedmore played by the great ernie hudson i love ernie hudson Janine does the the speech about like do you believe in ufos the loch ness monster the theory of atlantis and his line is perfect. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. He he unfortunately has like so few lines in this movie, really, but like he just makes such a good like meal out of each one. Like every delivery is so like Yes. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Uh especially his one with the mayor, like I've seen shit that'll turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, uh this character was supposed to be um Eddie Murphy was supposed to play it, but so they wrote more he was supposed to be introduced earlier in the movie and there was more of a background he was supposed to be an air force demolitions expert um and he was supposed to be earlier he was supposed to be the one slimed at the hotel originally but then once eddie murphy declined the role they just rewrote it and had him appear halfway through and um yeah yeah and uh ernie hudson has said he's he's not all like really grateful for the role and he's glad he was in it but he kind of didn't do anything like he wishes the character did more. Obviously, me too. Yeah, it's 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 a little unfortunate because he is so good in this, but you, it makes total sense that they just ended up having to like cut most of the characters' material because you can kind of feel it. He's just kind of like underdeveloped yeah. part of it a little bit. That was one of the things I thought of watching it. I was like, why why is this character even here? So that I looked into it because it seemed like something that was supposed to be bigger, yeah. and they cut it for some reason, and it was. But the, but at the same time, he is still like a good actor and a good performer. So like, oh, yeah. you still are glad he's there. Yeah, it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. like like you said, all all of his lines just hit very well. Uh, Venkman goes and meets Dana. That's where we f- actually first hear about Gozer, because Zul is the minion of Gozer. They make a date to kind of talk about it more. 
Uh, we get the containment unit shown to Winston. Uh, and then we get the, the kind of bad human of the movie, which is Walter Peck. Uh, from the EPA, which was not that, like, established at that time. It was only in, the, you know, the 70s that the EPA really came about. And um, part of this is that this movie is like a libertarian's wet dream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> these guys starting a small business and the government coming in, telling them what they can and can't do. Just on principle, like... Like, uh, yeah. Bill Murray hates Walter Peck. Like, just for no yeah. discernible reason other than he's an authority figure, like, trying to get in on his business. I actually picked up on it this viewing. Every time... So he, he says, Mr. Venkman. Venkman corrects him, says Dr. Venkman. And then all the rest of the scene, he says Mr. Venkman still. He, like, keeps pushing that time and time again. Basically tells him to fuck off. You go get a court order. Uh, that's when we get the Twinkie analogy, that if the normal amount of the New York City uh, paranormal activity was the size of a regular Twinkie, the readings we had today, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing 600 pounds. Oh boy. And then when, yeah, I mean, I, I would love that Twinkie. I was going to say, they should... They should... <laughs> They need to make make that Twinkie as like a promotional thing for the new movie or any of them. You know what I mean? Just like that should be a thing. I'd love it. Yeah. Venkman comes down, asks, what about the Twinkie? Uh, so that's when the terror dogs start busting out of the statue. All the spiritual turbulences is happening. Uh, it comes, we go into Lewis's party. And oh, this is my favorite to... scene in the movie. I, 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 out of everything, I laugh hardest at Lewis's party. Like I, just, uh, it, it's such a weird slice of his life. Yeah, sorry. That's all one continuous scene too, and it's almost entirely yeah. improvised, which makes it even more yeah. impressive. It's it's so funny. I love his fucking dance. Oh my god. Yeah, it's the best. She tries to sneak by. He's like, "Oh, sorry, I made a date." He's like, "Well, that's okay. You can bring him along." <laughs> so when he goes back into the party, yeah, he's like saying, "Oh, I'm throwing this for clients, so I can do use it as a as a write off." You know, thanks for coming, Barney or whatever. And the tall blonde is Casey Kasem's wife. Oh shit! Oh, uh, who? Yeah, it's she's got some bad history. Um, but moving on. Uh, at that point, Dana talks to her mom, says she's got the date with the Ghostbuster, and she's attacked by these hands coming out of the chair, and she gets swept into the kitchen where Zool does something, and she becomes possessed. Uh, there's also another terror dog in Lewis's apartment that chases him out into Central Park Cafe, and nobody's trying to do anything to help him. Yeah, that really upset me as a kid because I loved his character, and I was like, "Somebody save him! Like, what the hell, you you dickheads?" <laughs> They're just yeah. rich people, right? Yeah. It's social commentary, exactly. Uh, that's when Venkman shows up, and she's you know dressed provocatively. Ask him if he's the key master. Um, which he says no. And then like he has to come back and he's like, yes, I'm a friend of his. And they kind of have some some weird sexual tension because she's possessed by Zool. She's preparing for the coming of Gozer. Uh, she tells him, take me now, subcreature. And he goes, we never talk anymore. <laughs> There's so many lines in this where I'm like, I, I watched this as like a child. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, this is not some supposed of the to be a says, children's yeah. movie. It somehow became mm -hmm. one. At that point, there's the 
infamous line of, there is no Dana, only Zool. And at that point, she starts levitating and growling. And then we cut to, um, Lewis has now become, the other one is Vince Clortho, the key master. And he's looking for the gatekeeper running around. Uh, apparently the police pick him up and they take him to the Ghostbusters. And at that point, uh, you know, Egon's like, yeah, we'll take him. Janine's like, you're such a good person. You're such a humanitarian. And Egon goes, I don't think he's human. <laughs> um, they hook him up to the same machine that Dana was uh, attached to. And he actually has the terror dog profile thing yep. in the TV. So we know. Another like, detail. Yeah. I yeah. didn't see for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Venkman calls, says, oh, you know, I've met, uh, Zul, she says he's the gatekeeper. Egon says, well, I met the key master. It's like, oh, we should definitely get these two together. And Egon's like, I think that would be extraordinarily dangerous. So, uh, Venkman leaves her there and is coming back to the firehouse. And we cut to Ray and Winston driving, having that conversation about, Maybe the reason they've been so busy lately is that the dead have been rising from the grave, like it says in the Bible for Judgment Day. Another, yeah. this is probably Winston or yeah, Ernie Hudson's like best scene where he's selling that. They then there's an amazing shot of Ecto One going over the bridge. The twin towers are in the background. Um, the EPA starts showing up. They're going to shut off the containment unit. There's some energy with the cop uh and then it, it does blow up um after they turn off the containment grid he fucking told him it was gonna happen i know <laughs> uh dana wakes up Damn from EPA. her nap ray and winston shows up and then that's when uh lewis vince cortho kind of walks off and they're like oh shit we gotta go grab him and they start to run and that's when peck kind of grabs him and says to a cop like um, these these men are in violation of the Environmental Protection Act, and this explosion is a direct result of it. And Egon goes, "Your mother," and they kind of fight. <laughs> they get arrested. It's it's the most emotional you ever see Harold Remus get. Yeah, it's so great. Your mother. Um, that's when we get the the second musical montage for the second to third act break uh, by the song "Magic" by Mick Smiley. I recommend everyone go listen to the whole song because what's in the movie is amazing and I love it. The first half of the song is bizarre. It's totally 80s (laughs) and not like the other half of the song. Uh, So we get basically it's just a bunch of ghosts popping out. Uh, Slimer is in a hot dog cart, which is great. And then at the end of it... um, uh, Dana's apartment explodes and just kind of leaving like a giant window-ish kind of thing for her to look out among the city. So, and this is when uh, they're in jail. They start talking about the building. It was built by Evo Shandor. He did it to channel spiritual turbulence. Egon has the line, after World War I, he decided society was too sick to survive. And then he kind of does a little pause and looks around the jail cell. <laughs> that they're in very uncomfortable uh and they go and start talking more about it uh and that's when reginald vale uh, vel johnson shows up as a jail guard and this is like his first of at least three cop roles <laughs> because he's as in this in a couple years he's in die hard 
as the with cop. Walter Peck. And then, and, yeah, it, exactly as the um, like the journalist, the reporter. Yeah, yeah. And then he is the dad in Family Matters, who's a cop in Chicago. I think this was like I looked it up. This was like his third role, or something like it, like credited actor. You know, you get typecast as things, just like the mom from The Witch being typecast as the one who will breastfeed weird things or you know right (laughs) so yeah uh and then he shows up to tell them that the mayor wants to see them so they gotta they gotta bust out oh i was gonna say probably one of those bill murray improvises is when they're kind of huddled around and then all of a sudden he starts singing so be good for goodness sake whoa somebody's coming is he singing an actual song because like it doesn't really seem like an actual song (laughs) i think he's just making it up on the spot um, yeah, or like a playoff. Uh, Santa's coming to town. Oh yeah, it's for sure that. But it's just I, yeah. yeah, it's just like he's riffing. Yeah, right. So funny. Uh, so that's when we see the keymaster and the gatekeeper finally come together. They kiss, and then all of a sudden, these stairs appear in Dana's apartment. So they are now in the mayor's office, and Walter Peck shows up, and they're having the confrontation. Ray says everything was going fine until Dick was here, turned off the containment field. Mayor asks, is this true? Megan goes, yes, it's true. This man has no dick. That was my favorite Again. line of the whole movie. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And, they, uh, and then he keeps calling him Pecker, and he's like, my name is Peck. Um, I love it. The Cardinal comes in, and he's like, personally, I think it's a sign from God, but don't quote me on that. I that whole that whole thing with the cardinal coming in is so funny. Just the mayor's reaction, like it like runs over to him and kisses his robes and all this shit. It's like yeah, yeah. They have the part where they're talking about it's it's going to happen. It's going to bring about biblical times, dogs and cats living together, mm-hmm. mass hysteria. Um, and then they have kind of the the to me what I think one of the funniest things that again took me very long to understand where. The mayor's asking is like, so what if what if you're wrong? It's like, if we're wrong, we go to jail. No big deal. We'll live peacefully, quietly. But if we're right, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. <laughs> and he kind of has this twinkle in his eye. He looks over at the cardinal. He just like gives a slight nod, and they're then they're off. It's so like weirdly cynical that that's what works you know yeah it's like they kind of bribe the mayor with like a good reputation yeah yeah it's like it's it's the voters that's what you're mm-hmm. worrying about yeah uh so at that point we get a military escort they get to the building they wave to all the crowd they get everything ready and they're gonna start heading into the building all of a sudden the street collapses right underneath them and they're swallowed up by the whole street they climb out, everything's good, the crowd cheers them, and they start their uh, climb of the stairs, because the elevator's obviously out. Uh, tell me when we get to the 20s, I'm gonna throw up. We get a shot of uh, Keymaster and Gatekeeper on top of the building, and Keymaster's pants are undone, so they <laughs> fucked. That's what brings about the, the coming of Gozer. I wonder. I, I wonder if it was Dan Aykroyd who included the sex magic aspect of this movie, like that. It has to be. Yeah, it seems like Aykroyd. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, so they get into the apartment, and Ray looks around, like, "Hey, where do these stairs go?" And I always, I always say this, like to this day, they go up. 
Um, <laughs> so Venkman starts heading, and then the lightning crashes, and then he's like, oh no, you, you go, you guys go, you guys, you know, sends them all up first. Uh, so we go, we see Dana and Lewis turn into, like, they open the door, and then they turn into terror dogs. And we get a very progressive movie for the mid-80s. Gozer emerges. Winston's like, I thought Gozer was a man. It's whatever it wants to be. So, yeah, hey. Uh, and then we have, again, the callback that I didn't get for the longest time. They're like, we got to do something. So Venkman says, go get her, Ray. Just the full circle to them in the basement of the library. Yeah, yeah. Can, oh, right. Holy shit. Not I never, like never even put them together either. Yeah. So, yeah, seven. I'm like, it's a callback. It's, it's <laughs> so wonderful. Ray has a great uh, speech about it as a duly designated representative of the city, state, and county of New York. Cease and desist all supernatural activity. And uh, I, I'm doing this one by memory. Uh, go back to the like the closest parallel dimension of your convenience. And that's when Gozer asks, are you a god? Venkman like, kind of gives him a little, yeah, go for it. Ray says no. Says then die, and they get lightning shot at them. They almost fall off the building. It's nice, like Emperor Palpatine lightning effects. Yeah, yeah, it is very close to that, but purple. Yeah, and Winston has this great line: uh, "When someone asks if you're a god, you say yes." All right, last page notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about Gozer because I think this might be why I have such an affinity for girls with short hair. <laughs> But I'm not sure. Between Gozer and Annie Potts, Ghostbusters did maybe affect my interests quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, and of course, Sigourney Weaver, but like, you know, in a couple of different ways, I guess. Yeah. But Gozer and Annie Potts are both formative, I'd say. The weird, like, bubble Mm -hmm. suit that she's in that's very, like, conforming, but still, yeah, odd. And she has heels. Yeah. It's crazy. And then just like this cool, like the kind of just the the attitude she has of being like so literally above everybody else, this kind of like air of mysticism. And yeah, it's awesome. She She's growls great. at them. Yeah. Yeah. So they have the line, let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. They shoot <laughs> their proton streams at them and she like disappears. Venkman saying it's Miller time. And then things start happening. The building kind of shakes and comes undone. And there's a, just a big booming voice now uh, asking them to choose the form of the Destructor. And so Venkman's like, clear your minds, everyone, you know, clear your minds. And they have the point where it's like, I didn't choose anything. You, I didn't choose, my mind was totally blank. And then they all slowly look at Ray, <laughs> who's like, I tried to think of the most innocent, harmless thing, you know, something from my childhood. And we get just... Uh, one of the best reveals, I think, in movie history, the slow kind of bobbing head as it's walking, and then we get the full-on shot of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and he's so happy. Oh, yeah. But with like the but then you still hear the roaring and like people screaming, but there's the huge smile on his face. I love it. Yeah, right. it's such a as funny reveal. As he's stomping reveal. on like cars, mm-hmm. he steps on a church. Um, Dan Aykroyd is supposed to, he said that the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was supposed to be a cross between sort of the Michelin Man and the Pillsbury Doughboy, which you can definitely mm-hmm. see. And apparently, each Stay Puft Marshmallow Man suit was around twenty thousand dollars each, and they destroyed Whoa. three of them. Wow, oh. he's not even. This whoa, is that's insane. He's, 
yeah he's not even in the movie that long and he went through three suits yeah <laughs> that's that's amazing i i remember i it's been a while but i did i have listened to it with like a couple different commentaries and i remember mm-hmm. them saying they weren't sure how this was gonna play and they like they knew this is kind of the the moment the crux of the movie like if the joke plays like we've made it if if yeah not, it's a then, big like, swing we're kind of screwed. oh yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did the test audience and they just they lost their minds and loved it I remember I think the first time I saw this I remember begging my parents afterwards to like buy that brand of marshmallows it's not a real thing but like it's you know, not as a kid no. I didn't know yeah there's a couple references throughout the movie um, Dana does buy those marshmallows yeah she, and she has the bag the yeah mm-hmm. that's, a, that's another thing I noticed years later yeah <laughs> I think at the second musical montage they're like um as the stream the explosions happening there's like a a brick with like a an old painting of the marshmallow like logo type of thing oh wow i don't um, know if i ever noticed that one yeah so uh then egon has the line i'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought i just love even when he is scared <laughs> he can be very wordy did you notice that he doesn't smile at all in the movie I could see that, yeah. Not until, like, maybe the end, like, after the the explosion, like, when Janine runs to him, kind yeah. of a smile, but not really anything. I guess he smiles in the serious. second movie, but, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't smile at all. He does in the courtroom, because he makes the joke where they do do re oh, yeah. egon and he kind of gives that smirk. <sighs> Bill Murray has a great... Uh, insult that i've never really found the best place to use it but he calls him mother pus bucket <laughs> i don't know uh that's and then they like uh stay puff is like kind of starting to climb the building so they say roast them they just fire on them and all it does really is catch the stay puff marshmallow man on fire does, and is this like, where you you briefly see like the angry Stay Puff face? Yes, I love yes. the angry Stay Puff face. Uh, it's when so, he's, yeah, yeah, when he's getting hurt. Uh huh. I wonder if that was one of the three suits. Like they had the smiling oh, Stay Puff yeah. man, mm-hmm. angry Stay Puff man. I wonder if they did probably that. probably just like change. And then maybe the head, yeah, but I don't know. Oh, maybe because he's climbing, it has to be a different suit though. Who knows? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. And like catching it on fire, that kind of stuff. That's yeah, that's two fire stunts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the flames are going up the building. They have to you know run into the back. Um, they're trying to decide what to do. Venkma says, you know, we've been going about this all wrong. This Mister Stay Puff, he's okay. He's a sailor. He's in New York. We get this like guy laid. We're not going to have any problems. And Egon comes up with the idea like, oh, we need to reverse the door. What we need to do is cross the streams. There's actually a very slim chance we'll survive. So that's what they end up doing. Um, it's at this point also, I Winston says something. I had to put the subtitles on. He makes 11500 a year. He makes $11,500 a year. That's... It oof. seems insanely low, but I oh, don't yeah, know yeah. What, what kind of profit in- margins they're working with. Yeah, well, Kill looks it up. Yeah, they cross the streams. It works. Uh, all of a sudden, the Stay Puff explodes, and uh, Peck gets covered in marshmallow, like, falling from the sky. And I remember reading, like, this was shaving cream. Yeah. Because they were going to do something else, and they, like, had a stuntman stand in for it to, like, show the actor it was going to be okay. And it just dropped the stuntman, like, a, like a, on a, like a pile of bricks. Yeah, it's supposed to be a punishment for Peck, but, I, hey, I, I would gladly be... <laughs> 
rained upon by marshmallow cream, you know, melted marshmallow. Sounds heavenly. So what would it be today, Kel? $30,361.55. That's not very above like the poverty line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so like 17 or 18. Yeah, that's that's insane. Winston deserves more, I think. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Putting himself on the line for all in New York, you know? Uh, so oh, everybody survives. $12,880 is poverty for one person. Okay. That's way lower than I thought it was going to be. Jeez. Yeah, same here. Yeah. What a fucking sad country we live in. Anyways. Uh, Very. Everybody survives. Dana is in like a dog hust and they have to break her out. Um, Lewis is also survives. Ask him who does your, your taxes. Uh, Winston shouts, I love this town! And then the credits start playing with, you know, a little bit of story without. They all come out. Uh, Dana and Venkman kiss. They all get in the car, except for Lewis. He kind of gets ushered away. And then Slimer flies at the screen and just... Beautiful. (laughs) So does anyone... Do we have any other thoughts? There's a couple other things I know about the movie I can talk about. But um, I know that this is the highest grossing. This is the highest grossing comedy of all time until Halloween, uh, not Halloween until Home Alone in 1990. And I also know that um, the release date of uh, the production or whatever was kind of rushed. So when when the movie was released, um, Ivan Reitman said that there were incomplete special effects and you could see visible wires and things. And he said, remarkably, people didn't care. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's got the kind of tone where it's like, I mean, they've, I, I guess I've since, you know, I, are there, I don't, I don't notice wires or anything when I watch this. Have they since removed them or? I just noticed it looks kind of dated because it's not 1984 anymore, but I didn't yeah, see exactly. anything. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I think it looks good for the time, like, you know, for the most part. And they, it also came out like that summer of 84 with like everything that was coming out is just like such a humongous blockbuster, like Gremlins. Back yeah. to the Future, I think, is another one. Terminator? Is Terminator that year, too? I don't remember. Earlier? Uh, but I I do know uh, 2 was set up to basically be like that. And it comes out, I think, June um, 1989. And then the week following, Tim Burton's Batman comes out and just completely destroys its chance of like performing yeah. well. Hmm. Everyone just goes sees Batman like 30 times instead. Did you guys see the remake of The Razor's Edge? Apparently Bill Murray only agreed to do Ghostbusters if Columbia financed his remake of The Razor's Edge, which was a 1946 movie. And it was I guess it was released the same year, but I've literally never heard of it. <laughs> no. I I own Bill Murray's Razor's Edge on DVD, have never watched it. Um but I've heard I read this that before. book and it's I was... kind of like a notorious notorious fact about this movie mm-hmm. I, I i have no idea how it is but i do own that movie i read the book razor's edge and it's one of my favorite books and then my dad does a christmas present got me that movie on dvd like but i've never watched it <laughs> yeah apologies to my dad but yeah um so I, I i do know about the movie but i didn't know that it had any connection to his doing ghostbusters that's that's pretty fascinating that is fascinating do we mention that ivan reitman also did stop or my mom will shoot <laughs> the superior Ivan Reitman film. 
I mean, a very exactly. long, illustrious career. It's between uh, I think Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and... <laughs> starring know, David Duchovny. Actually, I think we mean Sean Junior. William Scott. Right? With uh, Schwarzenegger getting pregnant. It's also an Ivan Reitman film, oh, isn't God. it? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, one of the other things I remember in the commentary is they're talking about the building that they use for Dana's apartment. Um, they were constantly like kind of filming in front of it. And at, I guess one day they found out that uh, Isaac Asimov lived in that building. Whoa. And they actually, he was coming out or something and they got to meet him. And they're like, oh, you know, we're such big fans. Um, we're actually shooting this movie, Ghostbusters. And he's like, Oh, you are the guys like causing all the traffic around here, huh? And they just kind of like they felt really bad. I thought you were going to say that the building, the top part of the building in the movie was was created out of like styrofoam and shit because the building wasn't tall enough. No, they, it's like a uh, animation matte painting that they do. Oh, okay. and then the the end um, set where they're like on top of the building. I remember at the time, it might still be, but it was, like, one of the largest sets ever built because, yeah. like, it is going back to show, like, all of the city as well. And there's, like, the stars and everything. I can't remember yeah. specifically, but it's, like, it was a ginormous set. I mean, it looks it. And, like, yeah, those shots of, of the whole city from the rooftop are pretty, pretty spectacular. I really love the production design on that whole last set. Even though you can kind of tell it's like styrofoamy in places, <laughs> um, you know, it still kind of fits the movie. Uh, okay, so uh, we can give some final thoughts. What do we want to rate it out of? Proton packs is the obvious one. Slimers, Slimers, Ghost Blowjobs, <laughs> Ghost Blowjobs. That's it. Nailed it. Ghost Blowjobs. Yep, that's got to be it. All right, I'm host. I guess I'll <laughs> go first. I can't be objective with this one. As Kill said, we're not here to be objective. Yeah, it, yeah. It's been my favorite since I was like knew what a movie was. There's so many again, watching it this time, I was having such a good time laughing. Almost all the jokes like still are are really impactful. I think they're still funny. Love Egon. Harold Ramis has always been my favorite, and he has so many good things. Like if you just watch him. Uh, there's like a scene when they're running out of the library in the beginning. He's like skipping backwards with the most terrified look on his face. And it's great. And you just, you don't catch it unless you're specifically looking at him. Again, Ernie Hudson's fantastic. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver is gorgeous. It just, it all comes together in such a great way that I've never just, it's one of the most exciting, like eventful um entertaining movies to me uh even though there, i didn't mention this it is literally about nothing yeah <laughs> there is no real theme of this movie when you look at it there are really no character arcs like small tiny ones that they could have done but they didn't like dana going from not liking venkman to liking him but that's not really a big emotional arc uh they could have done it with like Egon being strict by the rules, and then by the end of it, he's come to, you know, learn that you have to break the rules and cross the streams, but they don't really go into that. There's the libertarian thing that I kind of talked about earlier, but still, it's not really about that. It's just three guys start a business, and they fight some ghosts. And it's so simple, 
that it just it works and you don't need subtext to anything in it i have to go nine thousand out of five ghost blowjobs <laughs> nine thousand ghost blowjobs from i'm logging that as a five <laughs> <laughs> all right you guys go ahead and break my heart no, I'm not going to break your heart. I love this movie too. Um, I just like it's it's interesting that you say yeah, it really does not have like any subtext or like larger thematics aside from like some things that it lightly touches on. But then even then, it's just for a comedic effect, really. Um, like the obvious story to me would be like Vinkman like learning like oh I shouldn't have been a dick to, to like Walter Peck or I should you know maybe put the business first and not consider being an asshole to literally everybody and only looking for myself. But no, he's still the same person by the end of the movie. Like. And he just he gets what he wants in Nana. But also, like, the movie's not about trying to teach you anything. It's, it's like you said, it's just about three guys, three comedians, uh, and Winston with, like, you know, fighting ghosts. Like, it's it's a it's a sketch movie. It's a perfect, like, SNL sketch movie, you know, with SNL actors. Like, there's not much more to it than that. And that's, that's perfectly fine for a comedy to be. Like, Caddyshack's the same way. Caddyshack's not really about anything besides, like, slobs versus like class there's classist elements to that and there's yeah but even then much of that here right yeah but even i don't think caddyshack's like trying to make a point about that it's just like a comedic setup for like a fun time you know which is what this is too but even with that like i love the attention not the attention to detail and like the production design and the horror fantasy aspect of it because you had some really fun horror props you have like a weirdly like you know, more in depth than you need to like lore behind like the building and Zool and the, and the gatekeeper and all that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of things for like kids to latch onto, like, like you did, there's like a fantasy aspect. There's like a power fantasy thing where you get a gun and get to hunt ghosts and nobody can tell you what to do. Cause you know, you're, uh, but anyway, just like the combination of like the really dry sarcastic humor and this fantasy aspect, like it's a really unique combination for a movie that I think, uh, you know, is still, yeah, it's still really entertaining. I don't find it as, like, laugh-out-loud funny as, like, some other stuff. Like, I think Caddyshack is a funnier movie, personally. We're talking about Harold Ramis and stuff he's done. Yeah. Um, so I can't say, like, I, I don't want to, you know, and I don't know. I came to it a little differently than, than you did as a kid. Like, like I said, I came through it to the toys. And so I don't have, like, a deep, deep nostalgic connection besides, like, you know, I watch it, like, a lot, but... I don't think it was really like as formative for me. So I'm going to say it like 4.3 ghost blowjobs. Like I really find it entertaining, but also I find that like for my best enjoyment, like of ghostbusters, I have to watch this one and the second one together. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I get the most out of doing that double feature. So yeah, 4.3 ghost blowjobs. Uh, nice. Touching just a, real quick on the dryness, like that you were talking about. I, one of the, the ones I do love is when they're in the jail and Winston's talking about, so are we seriously going to go in front of a judge and tell him, like, a crusty Babylonian god is trying to break into Central Park West? And Egon goes, Sumerian, not Babylonian. <laughs> and Bill Morgan says a big difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Kel. Yeah, I enjoy this movie. It's fine. It's cute. I remember it from my childhood. Um it's definitely not a for kids movie, but then also does seem kind of like it's for kids at the same time. Uh, but a lot of kids things have like adult jokes, like the adventures of Pete and Pete, I feel like is an adult show, but it's a kid show at the same time. Um, yeah. 
even though that is intended to be a kid's show, this was not. We got to yeah. have jokes for the adults that go with Yeah, them. exactly. Because they have to sit and watch that stuff, too. Um, yeah, it's it's a cute movie. I would give it a 3.2. All right. Well, you're dead to me now, but that's fine. <laughs> that's a I'll good score. I'll call a Ghostbuster to bust you. No, I, I know it's fine. It's a fine for, score. For Kill? That's a, that's a really good score, yeah. We didn't even talk about the song. Like I, I don't know how we talked about oh, the whole Ray movie. Parker didn't Jr. mention the song a single time. I love the song. That was probably actually my introduction to Ghostbusters. I probably heard the song first, honestly. You know, it's, it's like on every it's still Halloween a big mix. like Halloween hit. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I mean, you just can't not sing about it. And I love that it includes the line "Bustin' makes me feel good." One it of the does. the funny, one of the best lines in in music history. Are there other uh, movie theme songs that got? as much like airtime as this song i mean i, feel I don't like know this that, is, that is way up there i think power of love from um, oh yeah yeah back of the future my heart will go on titanic maybe oh true that's a good one absolutely i think i'm whitney houston i will always love you is from the, body the bodyguard right? yeah yeah that's, her cover yeah of that's the probably the biggest or that one. song yeah <laughs> i don't know i might say ghostbusters is bigger than that honestly like you know like it's it's maybe. so ubiquitous the whole, the who you're gonna call like uh, I mean, I think, think it's better, but yeah, uh, he um, did get sued by Huey Lewis because it's basically the riff from "I Want a New Drug," and yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> it is, but it's still good. Didn't he win that yeah. though? No, I thought no. Huey I think Lewis he lost. Won. I I think Huey Lewis won, and I think that like the movie. I think now. Um, like the newer releases in the movie have like a special thanks to Huey Lewis. Like he's credited. Like. <laughs> in the movie now because of the lawsuit i think i could be wrong about that but um and then of no, course i think he always won it to stay with the times they get run dmc to do the, the one for the <laughs> sequel and that's a great music video if you've never seen that one and then they get fallout boy for the the 2016 uh, ghostbusters uh, yeah <laughs> yeah we're not talking about other ghostbusters movies today so uh, okay, well, that's it for October, and there's only one more thing we got to do before we close out this book, and that's our Massies. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So uh, we have the uh, four categories, and we'll just kind of go through them quickly. And we have, so to cover what we've done so far, we did Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Mm-hmm. We did... The Descent. The Descent, that's right. And then we've done Evil Dead. The and Evil now Dead Ghostbusters. and now Ghostbusters, yes. <laughs> uh, so we will start with... What a journey first... this month has been. I know. It's ups and downs, mo- mainly ups. I think all ups, yeah, actually, yeah. for me. Yeah, no, they were all fun. I mean, the only one I was kind of shaky about, and even then, like I, as I think about it, back on it, like I, I'm liking Hellbound more the more I think about it. <laughs> so, yeah. All ups, I'd say. We'll start with Best Kill. What was the best kill in any of these movies i have one if you I guys mean, i can't ready. i can't not say I, I have one but go ahead yeah you can go first uh when dr chenard brings in the mental patient to cut himself on top of the mattress and then julia yeah. is like writhing around him and all that like it's so creepy it's so they're like wrestling on the floor yeah mm-hmm. Honestly, like any of the kills from Hellbound, you could make an argument for. I like, think they're all impressive in that movie. You know, um, 
like you, I would even that even takes I would like not blame you if he had picked Julia being blown out of her skin at the end of the film. It's so fucking funny. Like <laughs> yeah. it has a place at the table. Yeah. Um, but for me, I gotta say, um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Scotty in the Evil Dead. He's the one who like falls forward at the end after the book has been burned, and he like his head like bursts open on the floor. I just I can't get over how the cool Dead that shot is. The Dead Eye version of Scotty like yeah. falling forward and then the head bursts. Like this, I will never forget about it because like when I was a kid too. Again, I was so terrified of that movie. Like seeing the Deadites be like vanquished was like such a relief. So, like, I have, like, a weird, like, emotional attachment to that. Because it's like, oh, God, okay, like, you know, he's getting out of this. Um, so, that's my pick is Deadite Scotty. Yeah, I would say any of them in Evil Dead were great. But also in The Descent, um, and I forgot which character it was, the chick, when she was going, like, doing the hanging uh, thing, like, only using her upper body yes. strength. Uh, and the, Sam, the crawler, I think it was Sam. Yeah, it, I know Sam, it wasn't yes, Sarah. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Sam is. But yeah, like, she stabs oh, him as well as she's dying, yeah, and then they she fall like into stabs the pit. him, and she yeah. falls backwards, and she's like hanging there, just just bleeding into the pit. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. That's a good. That's pick. great. I mean, a wonderful pick. Of course, we all picked like <laughs> the movies that scared us the most. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say all of them in Evil Dead, but I had to pick one specific one. So I was gonna go with that entire movie that you picked. Yeah, and then I oh, remember. Yeah. True, true. I appreciate Sam. it. I appreciate it. I almost went uh, Doctor Trenard himself getting his head ripped off, like by the claw machine <laughs> at the end so of so many Hunter good two. deaths this month. Yeah, seriously. You could also, say his uh, transformation. His into, transformation, uh, yeah, because he's. Cinematic. I would say he's technically dying. Yeah, that, that is a fucking spectacular scene. Yeah, the piano uh, so wire going get a skin. Oh man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So now we have best performance. Do you guys have any thoughts? This is actually kind of a weird one because, like, I like the performances in Evil Dead, but I wouldn't say any of them are, like, good acting performances. I mean, I, I guess the most I could say about the performances in Evil Dead are, like, it's a wonderful, like, physical performance from um, Bruce Campbell. Like, the amount of punishment he had to go through. Like, you can, like, see it on screen how much he's, like, putting his body through it. So, um, but, like, in terms of just, like, a good performance, like, being really talented, I might say, like, uh, Either Harold Ramis or uh, Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. I, I don't know how to pick between them, like, just thinking about it. But I might say Rick Moranis. Just you can have I'm Rick just... Moranis, because mine is yeah. Harold Ramis <laughs> Egon. I have always <laughs> loved him, and it's just... I want to be Egon. Yeah, absolutely. We all... Yeah. we all wa- I want to be Egon. I think of myself as a Venkman, but I'm probably more of a race dance. <laughs> See, I think I just, I just accepted I'm a Rick Moranis. I'm a Louis Tully. <laughs> We're going to have to find a BuzzFeed quiz and figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> that's go. a good idea. We'll do it. Hmm. I, I'm i going to go with um, Sarah and the Descent because she was claustrophobic, shoved yeah, in those that's tiny a, that's a great point. little fake caves. So I'm yeah, going to give her now that. I kind of feel like, like a jerk for not picking her after she went through that because that's, that's insane. Like, even her uh, grief in the hospital, like, in that early scene is very good. Yeah. Well, and then just her kind of going crazy later and, like, yeah. you know, being so determined to get out of there. And, like, being p- so pissed off at, at uh, Juno and all that shit. Yeah. She's she's awesome. That's a great pick. Uh, so the next one we have is Best Effect. 
anything stuck out specifically to you. I'm Greg, I'm I mean, going to guess the Evil Dead stop motion exploding towards the end. I, I love that, but I think specifically it's going to be the pencil on the ankle. Like, I just, again, that's that's like the moment in that movie where, like, it it totally terrified me, but also started to, like, scratch that gore itch I didn't know I had. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wait a minute. I want more of this. Like, I want to see more blood and, and guts in movies. This so is so rough to watch. Yeah. Like, yes. Because it jerks and, it around. I guess I mean, my, my ankle still hurts just even thinking about it. Like, yeah, uh, so I had to say the pencil, the ankle. I'm going for Evil Dead as well, man. I just like it's so over the top, so much fucking blood, and um, mm-hmm. I can't think of like one specific effect in that movie that I really like. But I I like how a lot of the camera work was done with, uh, you know, like they just kind of made shit out of wood, and like and Bruce and um and Raimi would just like carry the you know they they did all of this yeah everything was done in such a cheap way but it it just came out really well and i i like the the milk that they used to add yes. just like this gross yes. like oh why why is this happening and then with a the thickening like, agent done yeah. yeah like done yep. dish soap it looks like coming out of her mouth so i i just i think all the effects and everything in in just low budget evil dead work right that's that's what i vote for they are really good um, I think I have to go with the proton stream in Ghostbusters. It's just, it's magical to me. I just love it so much. It's like that orange-reddish hue, and then there's the blue lightning kind of wrapping yeah. around it. And I was going to say, I, too, like... It looks um, so good. Even it for does, 84, I, it looks fantastic. Yeah, and it's a really cool moment when you first see it, too, because, like, I mean, you've had the, the ghosts. You see two ghosts up to that, like, before that, but when you see, like, that proton pack fire for the first time it is like so startling you're like oh this is really cool <laughs> like this is just a comedy movie up to now but then you see these really cool special effects that like are awesome and iconic yeah so that's a that's it has a, a fun I sound totally effect it. As, uh, with it as well yeah. so oh yeah okay so we're gonna we're coming up on the last one what was the best massacre of the month who for me it, it uh... <laughs> I you have know, to go all Evil good. Dead. I just yeah, like, but I have to say Evil Dead. Just a, a whole friend group basically gets massacred. Yeah, the sheer Same brutality. Same thing happens what in happens the descent. That's true. That's true. The descent's really good too, and it is realistic. Although the descent, oh man, and that, that the descent has the added benefit of two of them are killed by each other. I mean, if you want to say that, you know, Sarah. So kills I feel Gino. like we're having a a La La Land Moonlight situation. Like we're announcing Evil Dead, and then all of a sudden it's the descent. Here comes the descent. Last minute, <laughs> yeah. That's the descent's entrance music. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> surprise drop in suddenly. Uh, no, I'm gonna stick with Evil Dead because, like, just again, the sheer brutality of what happens to them with like the effects, and then like the fact that you know once they die, they come back and keep attacking their friends. Like and that their family too. That like you know uh, the the sister aspect of Evil Dead always kind of gets to me. Just like it's his sister in the basement, like taunting him and torturing him, and his girlfriend that he has to behead with a shovel. You love like, her. You love her. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. So I'm gonna have to go with Evil Dead. I think I don't. I don't think I can choose between the Descent and Evil Dead because I Evil Dead is super fun, and the sister girlfriend thing is really great. But in the Descent, that it's just so fucking scary to be in that cave, yeah. and the, and it's I, more frightening. But yeah. I I think I do enjoy the Evil Dead one more, especially since it's like 
they're coming back and you're having to dismember them right and like, i'm gonna go with the stuff. descent just because you guys went with evil dead so i'll go with the descent a little flavor i guess a little contrary and sure. kill <laughs> well that's it for the masses this month we've done our grab bag our trick-or-treats the scary ones i wonder what november's gonna bring november in in uh the spirit of thanksgiving and being with family we are gonna focus on the family for november and our first movie is gonna be the best movie about family society all right i am so excited i love society is there a, another movie by that name? Because I feel like it's such a simple type of name. It is, weirdly. You know? But I no, I think this one, I think as a Brian Yesna, the director, I think he grabbed it. And it's it's perfect. Yeah, I love Society. It's only um, like the 1989. Mm-hmm. Murph, have you seen Society before? I did. I think it was one of the first, when I got Shudder, it was one of those first Joe Bob episodes Same. that I watched. Yeah. Yeah, the Joe Bob episode I saw it, was great. I, That's my favorite Joe I Bob saw episode. It, uh, <laughs> I saw it outside of the Joe Bob episode, I think, but that I watched that. After I learned about Joe Bob, that was the one I saw he had covered Society, and I was like, I gotta watch this immediately, so I, I rewatched it then, yeah. Well, this is gonna be fun. And what it's what's the term that you love, Kill? Is it shunting? Shunting. Yeah. yeah. We can't we're say too get, much. We're we gonna talk about shunting. Spoil mm-hmm. the movie for anybody. We're gonna shunt the shit out of it next week, though. <laughs> what a perfect tease for next next month next week we're gonna shunt the shit out of you all right well i think that's gonna wrap it up for this week and this month's theme of the weekly podcast massacre i've been your host today michael murphy everyone calls me murphy with me um i've been greg i'm kill thanks hail for listening satan. hail satan bye guys bye murph bye greg bye